This is The School Bell, brought to you by Independent Schools Queensland, the peak body promoting, supporting and developing Queensland's independent schools. Parents are very savvy about school choice. Holistic education, one that develops all the dimensions of a child. I'm very positively minded about the future. I think our schools are doing a great job. Hello, I'm Shari Armistead, Director, Strategic Relations at Independent Schools Queensland. Welcome to The School Bell, a podcast about issues of importance to Queensland independent schools. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Bernard Salt AM. Bernard Salt is widely regarded as one of Australia's leading social commentators. He heads the Demographic Group, which provides specialist advice on demographic, consumer and social trends for business. He writes two weekly columns for the Australian newspaper and is the author of six books. Welcome, Bernard, to the School Bell. Hi, Shari. Great to have you on. Thank you very much. It's such an interesting thing that you do, looking at all of the different trends across the demographics of uh, all sorts of people. So when we bring that back to what's happening with young people and schools, technology is changing our world so much. So we can't say what jobs those students will be doing in the future, as many of them probably won't exist at the current time. So how do schools best prepare students for this uncertainty? Well, I think this is one of the the great questions of our time. And I don't think it's just uh, schools that need to prepare the kids of the future. I think it's a partnership with parents or guardians uh, that this needs to be a collaborative uh, response. I do think there are some things that you, you can do in a curriculum sense. Certainly the STEM, science, technology, um, um, science, technology, engineering, mathematics are um, certainly uh, going to come to the fore uh, in a number of ways into the future. I think that you could also add issues around uh, entrepreneurship as well. I think we need to be far more entrepreneurial as a, uh, as a community going forward. Um, so that can be taught in uh, schools. What We can't say what jobs will be required in, say, 2025 or 2035 when our kids are uh, um, young adults. Um, but what we can say is that, a, say, a 22-year-old today is probably going to have something like no less than 16 or 17 jobs in a 40-year career, probably much more than that. What that means is that no less than 16 or 17 times, that 22-year-old today is at some point going to have to walk into an office and pitch their skills. The skill set that you need is not knowing what is the job description and technical requirements in 2035, it's having the agility, the flexibility, the resilience, the adaptability to take whatever skill sets you have by 2035 and adapt them into the environment at the moment. If you are a straight line thinker, if you are not the sort of person that can fit in with other people then you will be wrong-footed by the way in which the workplace is evolving into the future. So sort of things that schools and parents can do is to make kids social. Are you social? Are you articulate? Do you have self-esteem? Do you have self-confidence? Can you walk up to a group of people and and introduce yourself and uh, tell them about yourself without feeling self-conscious? 
because that is the skill set, I think, that is going to be required uh, in the 2020s and 2030s. You might find that your job has been reorganised, you might be retrenched, but you have this skill and that skill and that experience and that connection, and you can find a way to knit that together and to pitch that, that proposition to people that you may not have met or only recently met and be positive, warm, sociable, fit-inable. That, to me, is where we need to get to, and that needs to be a key soft skill quality that comes with kids leaving our school sector today and certainly need to have it by the time they get out of university. Interesting that you say social because that word now, of course, has other connotations to do with social media. And of course, young people are on that all the time. But that is funny because it actually is a very more social than ever, but online rather than in person to person engagement. So that's something that is a worry, I guess, for a lot of parents. Do you find that that is an area where we are lacking at the moment? We need to teach more about those social skills? It's, it's very funny because um, a number of years ago, I was speaking at a conference in Rome, of all places, <laughs> and um, sort of, it was a nice gig to get. But there were a number of HR directors for global organisations in, uh, in my session. And they, one person put their hand up and said, you know what, I want to give this young generation a job. But they come into my office and they'll sit down and they'll look down at their knees as if they are looking at a screen. I want them to lean forward, to look up, to smile, to lean into me and to tell me about themselves. They are so used to focusing on a screen, they think that's reality. Whereas what I want them to do is to relate to me. And I thought, look, in that moment, that was such good advice. As soon as that person made that comment, an entire room of maybe 30 global HR directors of these firms, it was almost like an electrifying thing. Yes, yes, I have seen exactly the same thing. So these are not technical skills that, that you're taught at university or necessarily even taught at school, although they can be reinforced at school. I think you learn that at home. So this is my point about it being a partnership. The soft skills that envelop the skills that you're taught at school and at university and the lessons you pick up in life are surrounded, enveloped, bubble wrapped, if you like, by these soft skills of agility, flexibility, being able to pitch yourself, being self-confident, being articulate, being happy and pleasant and agreeable. We need to nick a word from maybe German that that says that refers to the concept of fit in ability. Uh, so what we need is fit in ability to whatever circumstances confront our kids or young adults as they will be in the 2020s and 2030s. Now, the whole child is something that independent schools often talk about and actually say they teach to, and they do, many of them. So that involves the social-emotional skills as well that you're very much talking about. Also, the Australian curriculum and the general capabilities there are placing more importance on these very things that you're saying about uh, resilience is a big one that everyone talks about. What's your view on resilience? Well, resilience, of course, is the ability not to be dissuaded 
in any way. And I think it's a very important trait in prosperous times. We live in times of peace and prosperity, very consumerist world, um, and certainly kids today, teenagers have iPhones and they probably go even to Bali or Fiji for holidays or whatever. And you could argue that they have, um, have they come from a world of plenty. And uh, therefore, being able to develop resilience when you're in a situation where you're not getting what you thought you were getting, but you had your world upset. If you are if you are used to having everything smoothed for you by by uh, parents or family that make life easy for you, then that is actually working against your best interests. Sometimes you need to be you need to be disappointed. You need you need to learn how to overcome disappointment. Now, when I was a kid in the 1960s, uh, a boy's birthday party, you would play pass the parcel. And the whole idea of pass the parcel was that when the music stopped, you would unwrap a wrapper. And you kind of knew that the mother was going to rig it so that the birthday boy would get the present at the end of the game. Uh, whereas today, and I think from the 1990s onwards, uh, there was a prize under every wrapper. No kid learned how to sit there and watch someone else win. And this is this is the lessons of real life. It makes the parents feel really good at the time, but it's not teaching the kid to deal with disappointment. And if there's one thing we can be really sure of is that if you enter the workforce as a 22-year-old, before you leave at 62, you will have had to deal with disappointment. Yes, And if indeed. you're not good at reconciling that, then that's a problem. So you're talking about that partnership with parents, which again is something in parent engagement that schools really need to focus on and are trying to do. But there are differences in parents and we found that their different generations have different expectations. So I know you have spoken publicly before and written about um, Gen X and um, obviously the baby boomers and there is still quite a lot of those parents out there. There is also the rise of the millennial parent, of course, those uh, parents have children in primary school at the moment, but that is the group that is going to rise more and more in our schools, and they're the ones that the schools will have to engage with. What's the difference in, in the expectations of the parental generations that you've encountered? I, I do think that Baby boomer parents is my generation of parents, and my kids are now 30 years old, so maybe 20 years ago when they were in um, primary school. Uh, I do think that baby boomers as parents um, quite indulged their kids. If you were raised by people that came from the Great Depression and, then, uh, and you were one of six kids, then you, you were quite uh, a, a good material life with, with success. I don't think that necessarily applied to Generation X, and I'm sure it doesn't apply with with the baby, with the uh, millennials as um, as parents. I think that the millennials as parents will be more switched on to the need to manage and even ration uh, screen time, for example. Um, so I think that I think that uh, parents are becoming much more attuned to the problems 
that might be um, that that might be surrounding their their kids, and even this idea that well, we really do need to ensure that kids understand, experience, and overcome disappointment. That that is the real world. It doesn't mean that you have to be unkind or unfair, but uh, to continually smooth the way for your kids which was certainly my generation's parenting, I felt, um, is not in your kids' best interests. You do need to teach them how to deal with minor disappointment, nothing, nothing significant, but they do need to have that experience before they get out into the real world. And are you finding that that is different, the every child must get a prize sort of parent is different according to how old they are? Look, I, I do think that we're we're sh- we're shifting in that regard. There's a greater awareness around you here. Um, there's, a, there's a number of um, uh, speakers that I've heard that talk around um, kids, you know, getting a prize for coming seventh. Um, <laughs> it's meant as a joke, um, and but I think it's true. I think there is a it, there is an awareness that you can indulge your children. We live in a very materialistic, very prosperous, uh, very successful society where both partners work and they work in high-powered jobs and they have the capacity, even the predisposition to indulge their kids. In fact, it takes restraint in parents to not give everything to their uh, to their kids. You only have one or two children. It's it's not like you have six or seven, as you may have done back in the 1960s and 70s, perhaps. So I think that parents are getting it, um, are improving in how you know, creating the right social and experiential environment for their kids uh, going forward. The question, of course, is that, well, not every kid has a loving family that they come from, so we need to be able to supplement this uh, in the school environment to create those programs and that culture where kids are taught to experience, to deal with, to recover from disappointment. How do parents and uh, schools make that connection? How And what can schools and school leaders do to ensure that they engage these different types of parents? Well, look, I think the best way is always uh, communication so that the, the philosophy of the school is uh, communicated to the parent. We certainly recognise uh, every every child, every kid's uh, talent and ability and successes and so forth. Uh, but we also teach them the reality of life. We don't sugarcoat. Um, if if um, something is not up to scratch or not standard, we uh, we call it as it is. And we we congratulate and recognise the successful, um, and we um, uh, we uh, encourage those who um, who may need to try harder or may need further development or, or whatever. I do think there is a, a right way to do it, uh, and I think there is a right language to use. Um, we need to find those right words. We need to find those programs to ensure that um, young people are equipped with with the right knowledge, skill sets and experience to to survive and thrive and prosper in a very disruptive world as we expect in the 2020s and 2030s. 
Do you think that parents now want to outsource their education of their children to schools? And because, as you mentioned, there might be two, two parents having both having a job, not having a lot of time, and especially if they are paying a fee to send their child to a school, that, uh, that expectation is there that it's not their problem anymore, it's now the school's problem? I do think that uh, if you look at many, um, you know, the way households operate today, you do have mums and dads both working, both professionally educated, both in high-powered careers sometimes, um, both pressed for time, both used to outsourcing, um, the, you know, the home maintenance, um, meals often, cleaning, um, services, gardening, whatever. Um, services are bought in, holidays are bought in. Uh, and so it creates a culture of here is a service that I want uh, and I'll outsource it to a private school, independent school, and I will critique the performance of that service provider based on my experience in benchmarking with other aspects of my life. I do think that that's a mindset that creates a particular challenge for, uh, for independent schools. Um, it, it is not in reality, I think, a substitute for parental engagement, support, backup of that overall philosophy of cultivating the right social, soft, cultural skills that uh, kids will need in order to uh, thrive and prosper into the future. It, it, it can be very difficult, I would imagine, for independent schools to, uh, uh, to manage parental expectations in that situation when, they're, when they regard service as something to be critiqued, an outsourced service to be critiqued, um, and expecting the perfect product to be delivered at the end of year 12. Well, to deliver the perfect, perfect product at the end of year 12, that has actually required your input, mum and dad, for quite a number of years to reinforce the, uh, the broader philosophy that we're pursuing. So it's educating the parents as much as the child from a school's perspective, I guess, from what you're saying there, especially about the social skills. I know you've written before about loneliness and especially in this world where there's uh, probably in the future too where, where children might actually, as they get to go into that workforce, might be working from home. They might be working over the internet. They might be working remotely. And already we see a lot of that happening now in the workforce and there's loneliness in the workforce too. How do we guard against that or what do we do there for those social skills? Well, I think um, loneliness, oddly enough, is, uh, is a major issue that is uh, surfacing uh, in Australian society more generally, and I think it, I think it applies no less so in, uh, in schools. I have actually spoken and interviewed uh, a number of, uh, one of my favourite questions for um, say school teachers is to, to say how kids changed uh, in your 40 years of teaching or whatever. And to a person, to a, a man and woman, they will say, the difference today compared to a generation ago is that kids today seem much more anxious. There are issues around um, mental um, uh, health, uh, issues around self-esteem, for example, and issues around loneliness. And my view is that the way in which this is overcome is um, full um, engagement with 
parents so that there's a full discussion, a two-way discussion around values and behaviour and expectations uh, and social integration of the kids. It's this idea that your social integration isn't provided by the number of likes you get on a Facebook post. It's actually meeting other people, integrating, inter interacting with other people, building friendships, investing in relationships and creating a social being that that shines, that absolutely radiates and shines in the workforce. That's the person that that will always be offered opportunities regardless of what happens to a business. That's where we need to get to. And if if you are lonely, if you are socially isolated, if you are awkward, if you don't make friends easily, if you don't have self-esteem, if you are inarticulate, then these are all things that are going to limit your career. You can be the, the brightest person uh, imaginable, but if you don't have those social skills, then that that is going to limit your opportunity in life. Have you seen some generational trends or other sort of uh, trends in this area that you can tell us about? Well, I, I have actually seen great exemplars of fit inability and I come across these people in my um, in my business life and uh, you know often they're people the number that have actually worked with me worked for me in fact uh, and the the difference bright happy sunny aspirational positive engaging warm clever willing to do whatever's required to get the job done. These people shine like beacons in a corporate environment. It's, to me, it's not hard. It's so obvious that those qualities will make that person a success no matter what circumstances they find themselves in. So I'm not sure that it is uh, a young person or a middle-aged person or an old person I do find that, that I suppose young people are more inclined to the sunny, happy, aspirational outlook. Now, maybe by the time you get to 40 or 50 or 60, you've been through the mill a bit and maybe not quite as sunny. <laughs> uh, but um, but uh, it's wonderful to see in a 20-something. And I've, I've seen it. I mean, I've worked in large corporations uh, and, uh, you know, you might be on an office floor with 500 people and... Two or three of them will just stand out. Everyone wants to say hello to them. Everyone wants to chat to them. Everyone wants to include them in their project. It, it, is, it is irresistible when you see it in action. And if, if we can cultivate an entire cohort coming out of independent schools or any school with these qualities, then you know, you know what? That, that skill set, that attribute, that mindset, that fitting ability is going to propel that person well into the future and well on the way to success. I'm often asked at um, conferences, what course should I steer my teenager into? And I say, it doesn't really matter what course they do. Well, actually it does. You know, I'd like to see them in those STEM courses, I suppose, entrepreneurial courses, uh, steer them into whatever whatever they whatever their natural interest uh, wherever their natural interest lies. Uh, 
but you must surround them. You must build around them the soft skills, the, the social skills, the verbal skills, the self-esteem, the likability, the fit-in ability attributes that will take whatever skill set they have and propel them into the future. It's almost like a, a cocoon. We can actually create exactly, exactly the right attribute for someone to be successful into the future. It is not knowing how to be an electrical engineer or whatever it is, not that there's anything wrong with that, because that's the skill set that's going to be required in 2035. The skill set that's going to be required in 2035 is fit in ability, happiness, social, social skills, uh, to be bright, sunny, aspirational, positive and fit in ability. Thank you. I mean, I think it's interesting because we do, in especially many examples, I suppose, across all schools, but I know in independent schools in particular, many are teaching entrepreneurial skills and many are teaching that culture of entrepreneurship. A part of that, though, that you're saying that must be hand in hand with it is that social skills. And as you say, quite often regarded as the softer skills. What do you say to those parents and uh, schools that might be thinking, I don't need to spend as much time on the softer skills should we even rename them something else because the softer skills by name and nature <laughs> seems to give them a bit of a negative connotation it, it does and i've had this feedback before that soft skills sounds well very soft i suppose other people have called them social skills life skills um self-esteem you know it's, it's more than self-esteem of course uh, yes, I do think there is a rebranding exercise that we need to go through. But um, regardless of whatever we call it, that is what is required. And to me, that it's it's as um, it's as critical to future success as is getting the right degree from the right university or the right training from the right uh, institution. To me, it's um, it's absolutely critical. You cannot do one without without the other. Yes, you do need to have technical knowledge, but you will you will gear that. So it's like gears on a bike. You'll gear that much, much further when you have the right social, soft, cultural skills around it. Have you found in any of your research that um, you've looked at particular people who are successful and, and do they measure up to what you're saying and these sort of skills are second to none to them? No, if I look at somewhere like um, Bill Gates, <laughs> um, obviously has uh, tremendous technical skills and he also has tremendous entrepreneurial skills. Now, I've never met Bill, Bill Gates, <laughs> but uh, he strikes me as having you no know, very, very sociable, um, very easygoing, doesn't have a, a bizarre personality as such. I think he's you know, quite quiet sort of guy, but, but good values. Um, to me, to me, uh, that's what you want. So your technical skills, entrepreneurial skills, and social skills, and you have a little bit of each. I think with Bill Gates, he's got you know ten out of ten on the technical skills, and he's got ten out of ten on the entrepreneurial skills, and he's probably not quite as uh, sociable as uh, as other people, but you know he's got a pretty good spread. So almost like a checklist: does your does your kid, or do you as an individual? How do you score on entrepreneurship, 
on technical skills and on social skills. And if you can get a good spread across three areas, then you're pretty well balanced in order to take on whatever the world has to throw at you in the 2020s and beyond. Thank you. So that final word for schools is to teach across the board the um, technical skills, entrepreneurial skills, and also the social skills. Absolutely. And uh, I think that we will produce um, students and uh, graduates who are much happier, uh, as a, not only um, successful, but happy in themselves as well. Thank you so much, Bernard Salt. We really appreciate you talking to The School Bell. Thanks very much, Shari. You have been listening to The School Bell, an Independent Schools Queensland podcast. To learn more about Independent Schools Queensland, visit our website, isq.qld.edu.au. To catch our next episode, you can subscribe to ISQ's The School Bell on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.